Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Shazam! I'm Anthony. I'm kind of David. <laughs> I'm Jim. And I'm Kurt Stan. <laughs> Welcome to issue number 13 of the Crimson Cowl Comic Book Club podcast. Each and every Saturday at the store, we meet at uh, 4 o'clock and talk about spoilers for the club picks for the top half of the show. And in the back half, we go around the table and talk about non-spoilers for our favorite uh, picks of the week. So within the spoiler discussion for this week's episode, we're talking about Dark Knights, Avengers, and the Phoenix Resurrection. We're going to kick it off with Dark Knight's Metal Number no. 5 by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. The Justice League faces the final extinguishing of our world, invaded on all sides but a unimaginable nightmares, fueled on the edge of oblivion, only by the belief that there must be a light in the endless darkness somewhere. But what if there's not? <laughs> well... I guess I'm the one who usually talks about metal stuff. Maybe there's something unfortunate in that, because... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Though I've gotten more in tune with the metal storyline, I read this one and felt like, more metal, when will it end? <laughs> well, yeah, hey, you know, I was just happy that we got an explanation on the egg. egg. We finally yes. did get an explanation yeah. on the egg, so yes, that was the one it, really it, positive. It was all worth it. It's like, it felt like you finally... You know, got somewhere. Got somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, we as to kind of um, give a little bit of a recap, all the Justice League have escaped, and they were on their way to getting the Nth Medal they needed to um, win their battle against the Darkverse. Um, and the comic starts out with a quick conversation between Barbados and um, the Batman Who Laughs, Barbados act asking basically, well, why isn't aren't things going the way you promised me to? Superman's escape, things are slowing down. He said, don't worry. In the end, everything comes back to the darkness. So he kind of warns him about that. Then we get a big, quick switch over to Superman and Batman, who are now at the the forge, um, which has gone out. But Batman's convinced there's something still there. We can get this. We can get this forge restarted. That, uh, and I gotta say that 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 was like another place where it kind of kind of throws you a little bit because now you've kind of flopped again. Where it's like now Bruce Wayne has the hope and and Superman. Superman's like, oh, we've lost. Let's just get out of here yeah. as fast as we can. But Bruce keeps him there. We have to keep trying. So um, in the process, then we switch over to the first group. Um, down in uh, below Atlantis that is going after the nth metal there. They pop into a place that uh, Deathstroke has led them um, that is... Even Aquaman didn't know it was there. Um, and there's kind of an nth metal plant there. And so, wow, look, here, we found the nth metal. At the same time, then, we quickly pop over to... Uh, Green Lantern and Mr. Terrific, who are still in jail. Um, but suddenly, a rescuer comes along, the Martian Manhunter, busts them out. In the process of that jail scene, yes, this is where you get, where does this Plastic Man egg come from? And here is the explanation from Mr. Terrific. Eel O'Brien wasn't special. He was just a thief. 
One night he fell into a vat of chemicals, my best guess, some attempt by the owls or star labs to approximate cosmic metals. Now his molecular structure changes with his desire. His body is a superconductor for cosmic energies, which is why they're after him. Since dark energy started rising, the nightmares of ever-living things run through his head, trying to pull him toward evil. But he kept helping me. When the thoughts finally began too much, he retracted into that egg. He's fighting off millions of dark impulses every second. He's a hero and my friend, if they... They won't, Michael. But here we're... We're, here we are, helpless. But that's when uh, Martian Manhunter shows up, gets them loose, and off they go to get the Plastic Man egg. Um, <laughs> at the same time, we then quickly switch to Wonder Woman, who's fighting off um, Black Adam to get at the uh, Nth Metal there. Um, who, and Kendra, who is now possessed by dark forces, is also there, and they're getting ready, um, getting ready to square off together. Um, then we go back to Batman and Superman and their fight with the now monstrous Carter Hall, <laughs> who's protecting the Forge from their interference. Um, again, they're arguing all through the fight, um, whether they should stay, whether they should go. Bruce is sure we should stay and restart the flames of the Forge. Um, and, uh, and then Superman also sees a spark in the forge um, and so then we get switched back to Wonder Woman who in her fight got knocked through a wall finds the mace um, of Carter Hall now made of nth metal grabs it um, and by conducting energy through it defeats Shazam or defeats Black Adam he goes down um, yeah, I did like that moment there when you turn the page and then she's the one, you know, yelling Shazam. Yeah. Shazam! Smacks him in the head and she's just standing there all aglow with the mace and then whack! We see her headband fly across the room. Obviously somebody hit her from behind. <laughs> um, and we have our friend, the Laughing Batman, who says, well... Now it's ours. We sent you out to find this stuff for us because we couldn't find it. And now we're going to take it away from you. Just when you think the heroes are getting back on top. Wham! And so it goes throughout the rest of the comics. Aquaman and uh, Deathstroke are attacked by uh, Black Manta yes. and, and a bunch of the other dark, uh, dark bat versions. And the nth metal is taken from them. Um, they both end up with spears through them, and they're down um, as Mr. Terrific and Green Lantern go for the fight. Um, think they have won their way through. They too are thwarted by forces from the dark <laughs> universe, which cut them off too. Steal the Plastic Man egg, which we now find is to charge a big cannon that they're going to fire off and break down the barrier between the dark verse and the multiverse and let everything through. See, I saw the Phoenix cannon, and I'm like, wait a minute, is there some kind of <laughs> yeah, crossover? Where, where's the crossover here? But no, no, no crossover. No. Sorry about that. Um, Not the step. <laughs> and as the Batman, we see Batman and Superman in a last-ditch effort diving into the forge, hoping to change things. At the same time, we're seeing... Uh, the Laughing Batman taunt Wonder Woman about having lost, um, and then Wonder Woman going on to take on Kendra, 
and eventually getting snapping her out of her kind of dark mm. focus. Um, they head back to, I think it's supposed to be Earth at this point, our, our Earth, sort of, the normal Earth, and all they see is dark creatures all over the place. We see Batman and Superman sinking into the forge, and Wonder Woman saying, telling Kendra in the big final thing, um, I want you to do something for me, and she says, what? Yell! Yell as loud as you can, so it bursts the airs of the laughing Batman, um, so loud that they'll understand it's not a scream, it's a war cry, and they dive in to fight all the dark forces. Yeah, I love that last shot there where they're kind of silhouetted out there. Yep. It's uh, pretty cool. And so then we're told that if you want to see the full of the multiverse, it's not in Dark Knight Six, no, Dark Knight's no. Metal Six. It's in Dark Knight's Rising: The Wild Hunt, and so you must go over there if you want. So to. yeah, this thing's still not ending. It's still <laughs> yeah. gonna. And then they have, of course, the really classic Dark Knight's Metal Batman with two axes. He's out for blood, I guess. So. <laughs> Batman on the cover of The Forge, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, there was one scene in there that I was I, I thought amused me. It was um, when the Batman who laughs comes back um, over like Wonder Woman after she's been knocked in the head. Mm. And he talks about how he got her because the, the bullets were made of the eighth metal. Yep. Just like her invisible plane, mm. if you have one on this world. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I don't know what people felt, but I felt like it's just this story, it, though there's lots of action, it's fun to read, it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, it's like everything's, the, the world's just slipping, yeah. there's no turn. Are we going to turn in the last issue then? And do it? It's kind of this, <laughs> this ongoing uh, good versus evil tug of war um, where... You see them losing and losing and losing, and then they finally start gaining a little bit, and they gain, and then they start losing again, and it's just kind of this back and forth. Well, even the game really was just a trick to, to get you go to find the info. Yeah, yeah, it seems like every, every time that they get somewhere, all of a sudden you're like, you've fallen into our trap. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, you, know, you start to wonder if, if you're ever going to see an end to this. They've been pulling in so many Easter eggs and things from all over the DC universe, you know, that, but they don't really, you know, explain much of them. But it's just, like, fun to see all these things pop up, though, you know. And I know I say this every month when we talk about it, but beautifully drawn. Yes, it oh, is yeah. beautifully drawn. Love the art. You have so, to, Greg Capullo. You have to really um, applaud the art, the, art um, the action. But, uh, you know... I, ex it, I guess, being the old guy here, I've come to, <laughs> under, you know, appreciate superheroes as having some ability to think ahead, to see beyond the villains, to, you know, and in this, it's just like, <laughs> and you get the, you get this kind of feel that if they win, it's just going to be grim determination, not their brilliance or their superpowers. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Well, it is the Justice League against seven Batmans, who is the best strategist of the team. So. And yet, it, if, and if it was just that, you might be able to say that. But if, if you follow the early books, it's also the Teen Titans, it's Justice League, it's, you know, 
Suicide Squad. You've had everybody out, you know. You'd think you'd throw that many people at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and at this point, you're down to just a handful of uh, heroes. Um, and, and I honestly couldn't say even what happened to a lot of the other characters. Uh, I know somebody, some of them, you know, were uh, killed off in that that bar in the, the early days. Yeah, that's right. But those were those were mostly uh, lesser known characters. Sort of. stuff, yeah. um, Felt like four years ago when we read that too. Yeah, was a while ago. I suppose the only way I would feel satisfied totally in this in the end would be if somehow all along the Justice League has been stringing them along in some secret way and turns it all around. But yeah, some kind of twist. <laughs> Batman found the key someplace way back with the medals and has been... This is all part of their yeah. devious plan. <laughs> well, I think that was a nice run through of that issue there. So, A lot of action in that one. And same goes for Avengers number 678. Uh, this will be No Surrender Part 4. By Mark Wade, Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and Pepe Larraz. The Avengers are caught in a game of cosmic proportions, but they don't know the rules, and one of them is about to pay the ultimate price. The first Avenger fail. Uh, falls. Not fails. Kind of fails. Yeah. Well, you succeeds. fail when you fall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, succeeds, he succeeds, but falls. Yeah, he <laughs> falls due to his success. All right, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, we've got our teams that are kind of broken up. Um, because that's your, your typical setup for a big uh, event book like this. Uh, you know, we're splitting up our, our characters, um, trying to think the, uh, we got the Lethal Legion and the Black Order, you know, and so the Avengers have kind of been split up into two groups as well. Um, but a few in reserve. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with a few in reserve. Um, I think uh, where we left off last time, we saw... Uh, Quicksilver frozen and being uh, badly pummeled, <laughs> and we kind of pick up in that same spot. But uh, but whereas last issue we had Quicksilver kind of questioning things, you know, questioning the leadership and stuff like that. Now we've moved over to the Human Torch. From one hothead to a literal hothead. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and he's uh, you know he's, he's thinking about you know what what a great leader Reed was and. You know, if, if Reed were here, he'd know exactly what to do, and he doesn't feel like waiting anymore, so he jumps right into uh, things, even though there's no plan or anything else. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of uh, back and forth between the, these different teams, you know, the, the villains who are facing off against each other, and then the heroes who are trying to uh, not only stop all the villains, but figure out what's going on, where they're at, and all these things um, at the same time. So yeah, it's it's a face off, you know, between all these different, you know, people, all these different groups, and the Avengers start to kind of piece things together. Um, they they start to learn that this is a game of some sort, but they don't know the rules until they figure out that there's these uh, things floating up in the the sky, and they determine that it's whoever gets to it first uh, wins that match. So we've got them uh, trying to do that. I'm trying to remember who... Uh, somebody got the first one as one of the other yeah, groups. Um, Black Order. Yeah, the Black Order, the Black Order, Order the got, the, got the first one. And that that sort of uh, tips them off. First, when he touches it, Black Order, remember, 
goes poof, and a big one appears. Yeah. 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 And, and when I saw that, the first thing I thought of was like, and I kind of realized, like, oh, it's kind of like a Hunger Games scenario kind of happening because where you see like all the, you know, all the points in the sky and all the tallies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got the Grandmaster who's, who's talking to whoever he's competing against, uh, the other person behind this whole thing. We still don't find out who that is. Um, there are a couple clues to it, and I don't know if you're somebody who's uh, um, really knows a lot about the Grandmaster, maybe you'd be able to figure some things out, but it's his oldest foe. So whoever the Grandmaster's oldest foe, that's who it is. If you can figure that one out, you're ahead of all of us. Um, yeah, I like the, uh, you know, the Falcon's plan as they sneak up and they see these, uh, two groups battling and he, uh, he realizes that, uh, hey, they haven't seen us yet. Let's, uh, let's just sit back and watch them beat each other. Yeah, let them do all the work, basically destroy each other. And then is that, uh, is that Wonder Man who, uh. Who yells, Avengers Observe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. That was probably the best moment in this. Yeah, yeah. that was good. <laughs> but of course, uh, sitting back and observing isn't really uh, Human Torch's style. No, no. So we'll get to that in a second. In the meantime, though, we go back to, uh, to Rome. Um, and uh, Voyager has to get the injured... Uh, Quicksilver and Cannonball, who is not as nigh and vulnerable as he thought. Good hit uh, with when the he gets hit by Thor. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so she takes uh, she takes them back, but then she's got to recharge, so she can't go back into to battle for a while. Although at this point, you, you start to get the feeling that the only thing that she's good at is like hopping Moving back and forth. Anyways, <laughs> makes sense being called Voyager. Yeah. But when she gets them back. Suddenly, you know, you, you kind of realize a few things. Um, first of all, they've uh, Scarlet Witch and Doctor Voodoo have been able to get Vision unfrozen, but not completely. He seems to be like uh, phasing in and out of it, like they haven't quite got it. So it's, it's when they initially unfroze him is when Quicksilver had gotten frozen. Um, so they get back there. And the interesting thing is Vision doesn't recognize Voyager. Um, he's asking Wanda, who, who is, is that? that? Yeah. <laughs> but before and then again. Stone again. <laughs> and then uh, and then you know Wanda sees uh, sees Quicksilver and realizes that they did that. You know, she's kind of blaming her, herself, you know, so to speak, for uh, for Quicksilver being uh, beaten as he was um so then you know you get back into the battlefield and you know see the various matchups yeah then you finally get to that first number one in the sky <laughs> but as they realize you know once that happens they also realize what happens when you touch it so uh lightning wants to speed to the other location um to warn them not to touch it because they're they're thinking the other group might realize that Whoever gets to it first wins and tries to, to get it, but something bad happens when you touch it. Um, they were right. That's exactly what the other group was thinking. <laughs> so, uh, so he goes to it, um, and you've got, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, at that point, the the other group, uh, Falcons team, realizes what they have to do to, to defeat the match or uh, to, to, to win that, that match or whatever. They almost start, you know, fighting over each other, you know, <laughs> trying to get to it first. You got that Red Hulk leaping up into the sky. Or is someone flying at it. Hulk hulking away. <laughs> yeah. Or as they uh, possibly shorten his name into Rulk. Somebody makes yeah, Rose. somebody made that reference. I forget who said Rose, that, but yeah. yeah, yeah. When he's talking, he's like, "There's my uh, So Red Hulk and Torch are racing for the prize. So you've got uh, three Avengers all going for it. Um, I, I think there's a couple of the other groups kind of try, but they don't get very far. You know, and Lightning is trying to warn Hulk. You know, no, don't touch it. And uh, as as the two of them are just about to get to it. Human Torch reaches up and grabs it. Yeah, yells in pain. And that's, that's pretty much where we end. Yeah, it looks like his fire is going out too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what happens to it? I don't. I don't know. Um, I I did see um, uh, an interview, um, and I'm trying to remember who that was with. Um, no, Jim Zub does a lot of interviews. I, I, I think that's who it was. I was going to say it was one of the writers, but it wasn't Mark Wade. I, I think it was. I think it was Jim Zub, and uh, he uh, he says no, he's he's dead. <laughs> he he's uh, he apologized to Chip uh, Chip Zdarsky. Chip Zdarsky. Um, he apologized to him, but now he's got to do uh, Marvel One One. <laughs> <laughs> And if the so, others get back to Fantastic Three now. Yeah. And oh, then oh, that'll... Oh, well, you do have Moon Girl. Mike. I was going to say, and then the Fantastic Three, that, you know, uh, changes things up with Moon Girl and what they're doing over there. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, so I guess we'll have to wait uh, a whole week. One right? whole week. One whole week. week. Yep, yep. Find out. Out. And yeah. this continuing 16-part weekly adventure. So. But, yeah, pretty action-packed issue. Uh you know, once they got into the fray of things and yeah. still trying to learn, but also at the same time, you know, just... Yeah, see, I'd, I'd imagine, you know, it'd be hard to get people to want to win if winning <laughs> meant, you know, your yeah. annihilation. But yeah. it doesn't appear that the Avengers are supposed to be winning because um, I'm not sure which character this is. I think this is one of the, it's one of the Black Order, maybe Supergiant says the obstacles right. are working out the rules. Right, and it was kind of established in the last uh, issue, too. They yeah. were referred to that way also. Um, so the Black Order and Lethal Legion are the players in the game, um, and the Avengers are obstacles on the field. So, yeah, I, I don't know what that means when you have obstacles uh, getting the goals. Well, the game master at one point is saying, hmm, I thought they would have worked it out by now. Right. <laughs> Took them a little bit longer, but they're starting to get it. All right. So, yeah, I think that should uh, wrap it up for that, and we'll continue with that one next week. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, either the final chapter or the penultimate chapter. Depends if how many books you want to read. Phoenix <laughs> Resurrection number five. <laughs> By Matthew Robinson, Lionel Francis Yu, and Joe Bennett. Editor's note, I meant writer Matthew Rosenberg. 
The X-Men need to stop the cycle of death the Phoenix brings. Their worlds will violently collide as Jean searches for an opening and the X-Men fight for closure. But when they are brought together, will the X-Men be reunited with their long-lost teammate or something darker? We last left this one with uh, Old Man Logan volunteering and basically being the one to enter this diner that uh, this... This Jean Grey has been uh, hanging out in and is part of her world inside this giant egg dome, whatever you want to call it. And uh, Logan is interacting with this Jean and they kind of have a back and forth. And you see uh, Annie, who is the Annie's diner, who had, you had mentioned. Uh, and actually we get some of that information in here uh, as well. That was the childhood friend that had Yeah, had when died. they were... 12, Twelve before uh, Jean really developed her mutant abilities uh, or knew anything about them. Um, they were playing. Uh, I think Annie ran out into the street. Uh, uh, must have been to go after a frisbee. It's mentioned in here. And was hit by a car. But uh, it was a traumatic incident for Jean as a kid because she had uh, telepathically linked to, to Annie when she died. Yeah, and we see uh, as old man Logan is trying to connect with Jean and trying to make her remember and see, you know, what uh, what he is and remember him. Annie's kind of in there in the background trying to hustle him out, you know, get his coffee and be on his way because uh, we learn that she's like the embodiment of the Phoenix Force mm -hmm. and kind of talking with Jean. We had a lot of that in the last issue. And uh, Jean's kind of, you know, disturbed and kind of taken aback as Logan makes a little advance by, you know, just kind of touching her hand there. And uh, that's when Annie steps in. And that's when <laughs> Annie steps out temporarily. <laughs> just like Logan normally. Don't say, no, don't listen to her, Jean. Just slash it. <laughs> yeah, so a pretty horrific <laughs> turning of the page for yeah. this uh this opening credits scene here is, uh, yeah, Logan slashes the throat of Annie and still sits there in a stool and uh, yep, wants a <laughs> refill when Jean's ready, but she's kind of flipping out, you know. And <laughs> I'm not sure why he wants a refill, because it tastes like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then on the outside, we have, you know, all the X-Men just kind of sitting there as they had watched Logan go into that diner, kind of wondering, you know, you know what's going to happen is you, you they last saw the big phoenix uh resting on top of the diner and then we start to see some rumbling in the in the earth there and they're uh, kind of wondering what's happening on the inside as uh Annie starts to heal and stands back up and uh this is kind of the turning point where we see uh Jean start to remember everything uh, was there a defining moment that does he say anything, or is that is she just kind of kind of get there? I wasn't sure if there was some trigger in there, but well, um, uh, it it kind of uh, happens slowly. Um, yeah, yeah. Logan so. says it's all starting to come back now, isn't it, Jeannie? You remember who you are, and she just goes, "I," and he goes, "I'm gonna need an answer, sweetheart." Yeah, he you can to see pop he's, he's got the the, the claws started. He's they had sent him you know, in there. He's prepared for what he might have to do. She says, yes, I remember. And then blows him out of the diner. <laughs> yes. Eyes light up with fire. And then uh, you just see all this happening as we see uh, Jean uh, wearing a, a 
version of the the Phoenix Dark Phoenix. Uh, I got different colors yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, it's a darker. Yeah, a more that. darker. Yeah, uh, the darkest Phoenix. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we see her come bursting out of the flames and land in front of the X Men as uh, they're all kind of interacting with her and kind of checking, you know, if she's she's in there and you know, kind of a back and forth of like, yep, this is who I've always been, and and uh, Beast is like, no, it isn't, and. They kind of go back and forth there as she kind of kneels or kind of falls forward as the, the phoenix bird kind of bursts out of the back of her. And uh, Kitty kind of holds everybody off. Storm kind of wants to jump in there and take care of her. But Kitty says, you know, it's Jean's fight, the battle of Jean Grave versus uh, the phoenix force here. And uh, Annie comes out of the flames as well because she is indestructible. Uh, she's been slashed by Wolverine and gets up and she's fine. But uh, we still have this back and forth of her uh, kind of speaking um, as the Phoenix kind of goes back with her and you kind of have a back and forth. And this is when you start seeing uh, some of these characters of uh, Jean's past. You see the parents, uh, all these kind of visions and embodiments of her loved ones are... Uh, Kind of talking with her and it's the phoenix attempt to yeah, get her to take the force if you take the phoenix force all these people can come back yeah and of course jean <laughs> didn't even realize that all these people were dead because she's been dead this whole time and uh like her family they were all killed in a storyline after hmm. uh after jean had already been killed the last time yeah, we have a, a giant explosion as Jean's kind of battling all of these thoughts and all the dead people kind of, you know, with, with that being intimidated there by the Phoenix. And this is when we kind of have a big talk down between uh, the Phoenix Force and Jean until we have one more old friend, an old flame, if you will, uh, Cyclops, uh, the more modern um, weird costume cy cyclops uh the one with that weird mask <laughs> the with that x like yeah yeah the one who had uh died uh once again another death post gene's uh demise there as uh they kind of have a touching moment and like honestly like going into this and we're kind of talking about you know resurrections and rebirths and all that kind of stuff i really wasn't thinking i was thinking more of because we saw like the younger wolverine in that first or second mm -hmm. issue so Cyclops, I wasn't really thinking about it to see the, you know, the most recent Cyclops. So that kind of caught me off guard as I was just kind of. Yeah, you kind of almost would have expected uh, a, a younger version. You know, the pre. Yeah, yeah. Y y all the all the. the, the just see a classic the, the outfit or something. And... Yeah, the the not the dark phoenix. You know, Cyclops. You know. Not that version where but they I, killed Professor X and everything else. But I think they brought... This Cyclops is the only one, and it's hard to know whether this represents her mind battling against the Phoenix Force or whatever, and how she would even know about this Cyclops' death other than, as a, I suppose, as a telepath, she draws off everybody's knowledge who's in the room or in the area, so she knows all this. But only this Cyclops can talk about, but death's okay. Sometimes you have to die. Um, and uh, he's the one who kind of talks her down into, you know, um, you're going to have to let me go. My love will always be with you. But 
gotta let me go. You can't absorb this power. That would be. Yeah, there's um, a lot of moments I liked in here with that beat with her having, you know, him, him remove his uh, mask there and uh, just the, then they reunite with a kiss there, but then uh, basically saying, you know, this is, that's the end of it there, you know. That, well, there, she says, I know it's not, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, and he goes, I know. Kind of like, I know you have to turn this down. He's the one who finally, I think, turns the key that gets her to say, no. And then we get the line that she uh, kind of says to him, we were better off dead. As uh, Cyclops, Scott Summers, basically starts to uh, kind of fall apart and kind of lose his life right there in her arms, and he falls down to the ground, and and uh, once again, then the, the phoenix force, the bird is there, is uh, sitting there ready to uh, go after Jean again, but now we see a a more confident, more tougher Jean as she's, uh, she simply says, is that it? Now, she, yeah, she has a standoff with the Phoenix Force and uh, basically standing up. And as she goes through this, I, I love the art in this here, is they're coming face-to-face with the Phoenix Force and everything that she says in every panel he is just getting, you know, or it, uh, the, the Phoenix Force is getting smaller and right. smaller. And uh, she's starting to have that uh, control because... Jean was always controlled by it, and now she kind of turned the tables and has the uh, the upper hand, if you will. And as they get down to the final pages, and there's a nice page right there, which uh, one more I think we're on, mm-hmm. where we see uh, all the different outfits and the different eras and the, kind of like a montage of it yeah. all. And that was a pretty awesome moment uh, just to kind of see Jean and all those iconic moments and yeah. right down to marvel girl there and uh yeah we see her in the marvel girl uh outfit and she's sitting down and taking off the mask and uh i'm sure there's some dialogue scenes that i'm missing here that i don't know if there's anything key to mention um that really it's just basically it's just the conversation between gene and the phoenix where gene is saying you know that yeah we could do all this you know we could be a god we could do whatever we want and have whatever we want but that's not the way it's supposed to be i uh, you want to protect me um from from this loss and and everything but you know i'm supposed to feel this loss you know i'm basically acknowledging that uh it's normal and people are supposed to have you know you're supposed to have to deal with loss. It's it's a part of life, and in order to live, to really live, you have to be able to experience all of those things as well. Right. And her final phrase is, I think, really powerful. I don't want to die, but I need to be allowed to live. Yeah, and uh, basically it says goodbye to the Phoenix Force and says, you know, you have to forget about me too. And uh, And then you see that the bird, once again, getting smaller and kind of reduced to a flame in her hand and... Uh, and then you see the phoenix itself say goodbye, Gene, and another goodbye. And just as the rain comes pouring down, the flame goes out, and you see Gene just kind of you know breaking down in tears as we cut to this uh, final page here. As uh, the surrounding X Men that are there are uh, welcoming Gene back, back home. home. So we've seen that transformation of uh, bringing her out of that that world there, and you know resurrecting her completely so yeah I, I thought those story beats are pretty good there just a lot of 
a lot of good character work and back yeah. and forth and a lot of you know the just the dialogue itself is it's so pretty emotional yeah yeah and, and one thing you know going back to the the scene with uh with her and scott um that was nice about that too is for all the people who were disappointed or disgusted with the direction that they took cyclops you know um over the last several years um this wasn't just a moment between um scott and gene you know where where they connected and said goodbye but this was also you got to see you kind of got to see old scott in there and you know you you hear him apologize for everything you know that that that, uh, that he's done so that was kind of a nice touch to it as well because you know it was a, it was a good uh, um, a good little extra send off to uh, Cyclops as well. A lot of closure in this book that was probably good for for people who've been following the X Men. Definitely. So that will uh, wrap up the Phoenix Resurrection, or will, will it? it? <laughs> So here we are at the, maybe it wraps it up, but really we have one more book and that's... Uh, no comic ever ends. <laughs> no. Well, together they do because that was the last issue of Phoenix Resurrection and this is the last issue of Jean Grey. Um, and really the whole Phoenix saga, Phoenix Resurrection saga began with Jean Grey and her issue um, being suddenly disappearing after the phoenix was trying to get her. We, the last thing we see is Jean Grey goes poof. No more. No more. But now in this, we find out in Jean Grey, and this is going to be hard non-spoilers, we find out why that happened. There's a connection between the young Jean Grey and the older Jean Grey that gets spelled out in this book um, as the young Jean Grey is passing through a world where she sees all kinds of the past of the older Jean Grey um, and has to live through those moments and comes to a realization that this is all a part of what's going on with the Phoenix Force. And um, uh, we find uh, some kind of, it must be painful uh, sorts of uh, um, revelations from the Phoenix about um, her and why she could never be the center of the Phoenix Force. And I'll let you read that on your own. But this this story really does, in a way, wrap up what was going on in Phoenix Resurrection. So if if you enjoyed the Phoenix Resurrection story, you really have to read Gene yeah, Grey another, 11. Another piece of the puzzle. also get the rest of it. Because <laughs> that was the one big thing we are wondering after the way number 10 left off. And we were so eager to see, oh, what's Phoenix 1 going to be like, you know, Resurrection 1. And then you just see, oh, no mention. All well, the good two and two. Eh, a little, yeah, little it, nod it, it here or there. but a couple uh, issues in the Phoenix Resurrection to even uh, hint at what was going on in the Jean Grey title. Yeah, more or less she was just put on pause, I guess. And uh, Well, and the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, I didn't realize this when I started reading the Jean Grey book. But, in essence, the entire Jean Grey series is only a setup for Phoenix Resurrection. Yeah. They would not have, I don't know if they even would have ran the Jean Grey series if it wasn't for the coming Phoenix Resurrection storyline because everything 
in Jean Grey's magazine, which now ends at issue 11, had to do with the coming of the Phoenix Force. So um, in some ways, I'm, you know, I really liked the Jean Grey books. I think they were really good. I think they were a good introduction to the um, Phoenix Resurrection story. But I'm a little disappointed that the only reason you did this was to set up for the, for the Phoenix Resurrection story. And that now that we're there, we just dropped the Jean Grey series. And while one Jean Grey series drops, another begins with X-Men Red, which comes out next Wednesday at the time of this recording. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just if you want to get rid of Jean Grey, you can't. She's going to keep coming back. And now we got two. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We got a two of a a lot of the X-Men. Iceman, Jean Grey. Yeah, yeah. uh, The Angel. There's a a dark dark beast over in some other books. You still have half a dozen Wolverines. (laughs) Yeah. Two, Two Storms. Couple storms, you know. Yeah. This is like two, two, two for the price of one. <laughs> um, I'm gonna move on to uh, Boom Studios' uh, book, Lazaretto Number Five. It was a five-issue series. Um, here's the the pitch for issue number one. After a pandemic strikes, a dorm complex at a small American <laughs> college is quarantined with all the students trapped within. What first starts out as a youthful freedom uh, from authority soon devolves into a violent new society. It's Lord of the Flies on a college campus. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this book at Boom Studios. I just saw number one, so I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'm uh, very open to a lot of number ones, especially from uh, Boom. As of late, Boom and Aftershock, I think, have really uh, kind of come up to like an image status that image has kind of taken over the last couple of years. Um, I really love the artwork in this illustrated by Jay Levang and uh, looks like he does the colors as well. So yeah, if you're into apocalypse zombie type books, you kind of get this um, focusing on two kids who a uh, boy and a girl who meet each other at college on the first day. Uh, they're both kind of outcast and they're kind of realize that, uh, you know, they, they kind of relate to each other after this initial party in the first issue. But then there's uh, basically like a like a dog flu that kind of breaks out. And it turns into a really crazy heightened world within when, once this dorm is quarantined. They kind of have their like little kingdoms within the, in the campus. And you see someone, you know, each floor is kind of designated. So like the you know, the upperclassmen, you know, do take royalty over the, the young freshmen, you know, that come in. And uh, so you see some comedy kind of thrown in there as you see these groups kind of uh, kind of sorted out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real gruesome book and there's a lot of just imagery that, like, I don't get disgusted too much when it comes to, like, gore, especially if it's just uh, within comic books. But there is some stuff in here, which I was just going to show off one of the panels during the end here of just people getting their faces ripped off and just like it's very detailed so if you're into a lot of that just kind of crazy imagery uh you might enjoy the book for the art there but yeah it's a very yeah they don't they don't hold back basically it's not dinner time no 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 no. (laughs) but yeah as uh wrapped up with issue five and you know I think it was good with uh, with it being a contained little mini series. Like, would it be like? Do I want another hundred and seventy five issues of a Walking Dead series to follow something like this? I think it was kind of good that it was contained. If they do come back to the well, 
Um, you do feel some closure in here, but with anything, you know, there's always a way to <laughs> open it up again. But uh, if it kind of closes like this, uh, yeah, it was an interesting read. And uh, and yeah, so if you're into that kind of stuff and you have a, don't want a large commitment to an ongoing series, uh, this might be a, a good book for you, Lazaretto. So yeah. Um, another book that I liked, uh, or from DC Comics, Batman Detective Comics Annual Number 1. Um, this has nothing to do with any of the uh, current storylines. You kind of, when you have an annual, it can kind of go one of two ways, where it uh, you know continues the arc, start of a new new arc, or it can just be kind of like an anniversary filled with a bunch of short stories and have nothing to do with uh, what they've been telling. This actually is the DC Rebirth reimagining uh, redirt, if you will, a term that I pitched over a year and a half ago and now they're kind of doing it here of a retelling of Clayface's origin story and so if you're a fan of Clayface you haven't been reading the uh, current detective books even though you should have because you know he's a big part of the Batman's team here uh, this is a, a fun take on his well I say fun just it was an entertaining take um, it's, it's always a tragic tale when you see something like this uh, uh, you see the relationship of him as a young boy with his dad. His dad comes up with this uh, this this chemical, and uh, he's kind of in the movie making business and dealing with uh, creatures and stuff like that. And and there's some great messages that uh, the dad has to the son that the son is inspired by, and he takes that to him into his adult life. And and once again, since this is about Clayface, he obviously the how he turns into a monster. So this is about the fifth or sixth uh, origin of origin story. Yeah. I, I actually, they had a trade paperback that traced like the first four or five, and so now we're at number six version of... Know, and um, this one sticks with the Basil Carlo, who is the original Clayface, right. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But it's, I think it's their version being like, all right, we're kind of rebirthing it and... But yeah, but yeah. Once again, once again, <laughs> molding another story, story around Clayface. Right, because yeah. there's been what, like about three di different Clayface. I think there's been four different. But has it been four? Yeah. But they've kind of changed around the the origins, and, yeah. you know, whatever. Of, yeah. A few of them, anyways. But yeah. I, I really like the. There's a lot of tragic stuff in the detective books since it got the renumbering and the rebirth where. There's a scene that I got to tell the writer, um, uh, James Tinney in the fourth, which I assume he wrote. Yep, he wrote this as well. Um, and I kind of like it because yeah, he's he's a he's an actor, and the title page of this it's the book is called Clay, and it says a James Tinian and Eddie Barrows feature, and you see just like a film reel. So like yep. even the style and the credits of the book kind of are, you know, molded into Clayface's approach, yeah. origins. But yeah, there was a scene back in the Rebirth one a uh, year and a half ago of him as Clayface uh, sitting in a theater watching one of his old movies, but he's a giant monster who's cleared the theater and he's taken up all the seats. And it was a real tragic moment of him just looking at something that, you know, he once was and he wishes to have that back. So you see a lot of that stuff rooted into this uh, annual as well. So if you're a Clayface fan, you should be reading this one here. If you haven't been reading Detective Comics, this is maybe a good place to start as well. Well, thanks, everyone. I have to leave.
Sounds good. Thank you. We will retell your origin next time we're okay. back. So. New origin story Just... next time. Okay, good. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, those are some of the books. A bunch of other ones I liked, of course. Um, I think that will wrap it up for the non-spoiler section as we move on to the news. And now, the news. So we've talked about uh, maybe a month ago or so when we had heard that uh, Brian Michael Bendis, man who's been uh, with Marvel, a uh, big, big writer over at Marvel's, kind of introduced a lot of uh, very important characters that not only influenced their comics, influenced their animation, as well as the big screen as uh, storytelling. After about 17 or 18 years working for them, he is, uh, his contract was up and he made the like unexpected uh, turn over to DC Comics. It's one of those things that you can go all the way back to like Jack Kirby going from Marvel to DC. Like There hasn't been something this big for you know decades, you know, 30, 40 years, I would say, like when it comes to the creative uh, team switching over. Um, and uh, everyone's kind of wondering what he was going to do as he is wrapping up his stories at Marvel, which will go through May, I believe, with the issues that he's written already. But we are going to get Bendis's first co contribution to DC Comics that is now in the previews for Action Comics number 1000. So if you're a customer here at the store, uh, I highly suggest that would be uh, an issue you'd probably want to pre-order uh, rather than just waiting to see if there's going to be one on the shelf because it's probably going to go pretty quick. It's going to be a pretty big book. The first book not yet to reach. It's Yeah, the first book ever to reach the 1,000th issue closest to it has probably is like an archie comic like because they had talked about like yeah they, they've got uh, some high numbers there but collectively detective detectives up there yeah uh, but like yeah, yeah outside of getting the, close Wait, where's detective at now it's at nine 970s, 70s yeah, yeah it's in the 970s um but yeah like outside of like the dc comics which had the jump start on you know marvel and captain america and all that kind of stuff captain america coming up on 700 um but yeah, so Brian Bendis is having a 10-page mini-story in Action Comics number 1000 that does kind of lead into his direction within the company. It's not just a, a throwaway one-shot story. It actually has meaning that he'll tell. Because he will be taking over not only Action Comics eventually, but also the Superman title. Now, those are two books that I dip in and out of over the years, and with Brian Bendis uh, jumping in there, I am a big fan of the writer. I've met him and own a lot of his work. Uh, I like the person, even outside of just the writing as well, a good family man and all that kind of stuff. So I've already uh, hunkered down saying, yep, I'll be subscribing to Action Comics and Superman for the first time in my life where I'll, I'm saying reserve this copy for me. You're a big Superman fan, Dave. Oh, yes, yes. So you have some thoughts on... Um, well, like with any uh, major change, uh, you know, a little nervous because mm -hmm. we have no idea what his plans for the character or characters um, might be. And the current Superman um, has been pretty well praised from what I see online that a lot of people like what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it seems, uh, seems to be the case. Um you know, I I've been very happy with uh, the direction that they've gone in. Um, as as you know, a lifelong fan of, of Superman, um, 
yeah, I, I really couldn't be happier with it. Um, so I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, it, it continues that way. Um, and, you know, of course he's going to want to come, come in and, and put his own twist on things and, and, uh, probably change it up a little bit. Uh, hopefully he's able to, uh, kind of, kind of balance, you know, what he'd like to do with what they've been doing that's working and, uh, and not shake it up, um, to the point where it's, it, it loses, you know, what they've gained, um, the Superman titles, that was like one of the biggest um, downsides of the New 52. Uh, of, of any of the regular characters, regular ongoing things, um, that was probably the most missed mark uh, that DC had was, was Superman. Um, and that's why it was also about the first one that they fixed when they started getting into the, the, rebirth, uh, the rebirth stuff. Now, you know, granted, there's a lot of people that came into comics at that time, and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're fans of the New 52 Superman. Um, but overall, it, it seemed to be um, not, not their best decision, you know, with, with what they did there. Um, so they've, they've slowly, you know, kind of made changes to it and, and fixed it and got things uh, back on track more so with what they did before the, the new 52. Um, they've allowed the character to um, evolve in what would be a, like a natural evolution, which I'm always a fan of. Um, you know, I've said that with, uh, with Spider-Man too. You know, I, I preferred the married version, um, you know, and let him do that, not, hey, let's take that away and try to make him this young uh, single kid again. You know, to just backtrack all of that, I, you know, I, I'm, I like the idea of actually allowing these characters to evolve. I mean, you got characters that have been around for decades, and um, I don't think it works to try and keep them exactly the same year after year after year. You've got to allow some sort of development, um, and so that that's where they've gone with this. Um, so yeah, hopefully Bendis will come in and do something good. You know, he's he's gonna want to change stuff. People are gonna expect some sort of change, um, but hopefully it stays on that right track. And before he takes over action and the Superman titles, he is doing a six-issue miniseries called Man of Steel, in which won't be continuity with what he's telling in Action and Superman. So kind of how you're saying if he's gonna change things, maybe he's kind of. Get some of that out in this miniseries. Yeah, and uh, so that, is, I heard, is a self-contained series, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that'll be the first big thing that he'll be doing um, before he jumps into Superman and Action Comics proper. And it wouldn't be Bendis if he had just stopped there because the article of uh, DC's announcement just kept on going, paragraph after paragraph, of saying everything he's doing. So all of his creator-owned work that he's worked on, most uh, important of all, was Powers, his ongoing series. Um, that and everything else he's done is getting brought over into DC Publishing, and it's going to be reprinted from DC. So if you're, you know, things that are long out of print and whatever, they're going to reprint the entire catalog and then add on to that by having him continue those stories. So, um, so even though he's DC-exclusive... 
he still gets to do his, you know, right. But it's not like they're on. just bringing him in. They're they're fully bringing him in. And yes, are they bringing those titles in as part of the DC universe? I'm pretty or? sure they're still part of its own thing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah it's not going to be part of its continuity or anything like they're that. Like trying to integrate Wildstorm again. Yeah, well, my, yeah, but it, with Wildstorm, they they did that, and then they went, they kind of went back, and now Wildstorm <laughs> is kind of its own thing again. Yeah, my guess is it's going to stay exactly how it was. It's just that they're just going to keep going under DC's publishing and reprints and stuff like that. And just when you thought that was enough for him to you know, keep him busy, he is creating a brand new imprint for DC Comics. Uh, nothing uh, that's not too far off from uh, Gerard Way's Young Animal line. that He kind of compared it, it to that. Ultimate DC? Well, there might be. There's no term on what it's going to be, but he's going to create it. He's going to create it and overlook it and also write things for it as long as other people, you know, coming in too. In which I think it, they said they were going to take some DC characters and kind of maybe revitalize them and maybe characters that haven't been used and, and have that be part of the DC world. But so he's going to be controlling Superman stories going to be controlling his own story still and then now he's going to create yet another tier of uh you know comics to 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 manage and run and if, if bendis has proven anything that he's a man uh with you know juggling many things at once and uh whether he's in charge of running events and doing his creator own works and creating new characters that have uh basically you know inspired uh you know new modern takes on and classic ideas and things like that. You know, he's definitely up for the challenge. Um, and, yeah, he's going to have a lot of eyes on him. He had talked about how nervous he was just turning in that first 10-page uh, story that he's doing for action number 1,000. Um, but, yeah, he, go to his social media if you want to uh, learn more about that. Um, and then coming up next week at the time of this recording on the Word Balloon podcast, which is one of the best comic interview podcast that's out there with John Suntress, who uh, has many uh, relationships, connections, and friendships with uh, creators from all of the publishers, uh, and he's legendary for having Brian Bendis on for what they call the Bendis Tapes, and every time they drop an episode, it's usually about three to four hours long, and that sounds like a lot to take in, but it's one of those things that I get so excited just to be like, yep, the next four-hour block I'm canceling everything because, you know, hunker down and he said he's going to release a lot of the information on there and talk about actually his recent health scares that he's, he's on the mend now, but yeah, he's had a crazy couple of months with not only leaving his nice cushion job at Marvel to go work for the other side, but then also he had, he was literally on his deathbed, uh, and it was a crazy story. So if you want more on Brian Bendis and why we're kind of talking a lot about him, um, take a look at that Word Balloon podcast. It'll be dropping within a week or so. So, yeah, that's what he's going to be doing. Um, as a big fan of him, he's going to get me to read a lot of stuff that I don't normally give attention to. So I'm excited as a, as a longtime reader to dive into things that I've been not ignoring but just haven't had time or the budget for, but if Bendis is there doing it, then I'll give it a shot. Um, we're going to do uh, a quick little recap. We have the uh, previews catalogs that showed up here in the store. 
Uh, feel free for anybody to chime in if anything sounds interesting. I'm gonna, I kind of have it all mapped out here, so it's gonna be a lot of talking at the moment. But if you see something that I mentioned that uh, is interesting, please interrupt me. Uh, we're gonna start off with the Marvel catalog. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the previous catalog, if you're listening, each and every month the store gets these giant catalogs. If you're a subscriber, you get a copy of that for yourself. Um, but then there's also a house copy here. Feel free to kick back on the couch and flip through the books and see what's coming out in the next two months and that you can pre-order if, if you subscribe to several uh, a certain amount of titles a month. You can qualify for different tiers of discounts. Not only gives you discounts uh, on the books you pre-order, but also a Crimson Call special of uh, the discount extends to other items that you may end up picking up um, throughout the store. Uh, so that's a cool little incentive there. And it also not only does does a good job for the store to make sure you have a copy reserved for you, not that it just sells off, off the rack, but it also shows the support to the characters you love, the creators you love, the writers, the artists, the editors, the letters, colorists, all of the people that make these comic books by pre-ordering them. That kind of gives them a, a good insight on, uh, on uh, you know, faith into those creators and the books and stuff like that. So that is another bonus to pre-ordering. Over in the Marvel catalog, uh, they got the Infinity Countdown event going on. We talked about that in the past. Uh, but over on page two, being the big uh, thing that takes the cover of the Marvel previews, is the hunt for Wolverine. Um, five years ago now, maybe, uh, Charles Soule wrote The Death of Wolverine. And now he's back at it again with The Hunt for Wolverine, which is going to lead to the return of the Wolverine. We saw in Marvel Legacy number one back in November that uh, the character showed up and uh, seems to have some uh, Infinity Stone connection as well. Uh, the mystery behind his return uh, is slowly being dealt as he's making little cameo pages uh, in other people's books, whether it be the Thor book or Captain America. Um, but if you're a fan of Wolverine, if you've missed him and you don't like the old man Logan version. Um, the original Wolverine is coming back and it all starts here in April with the hunt for Wolverine number one. So pre-order it at your comic shop uh, today uh, if you're uh, if you want yourself a nice reserved copy there. Um, over in page four, Captain America number 700, a milestone issue. Uh, we just talked about that with Action Comics number 1000 with DC, but over in Captain America, um, number 700, so a nice big anniversary issue, always shows a lot of love when it comes to like the variant covers and things like that, um, so yeah, Captain America 700 in April. Page number six, uh, the Marvel catalog, by the way, in the front of the catalog, they always put all of their big new and noteworthy anniversary number ones and things like that, um... So if if you hear me saying page two, page four, page six, I'm not going through every page of the catalog, but they like to throw all of the, the big stuff up front for Marvel. So Exiles, number one, um, it's a team that I'm not that familiar with. Uh, Kurt here at the store was kind of filling me in a little bit. I was ready to skip this over until I saw a possible future older version of Kamala Khan, who's known as Miss Marvel uh, in the modern comics. Um, I saw her on the cover with uh, the X-Men's Blink, and I was just like, okay, that's interesting. And then I noticed something that I remembered a news story from. 
Valkyrie. Uh, the Valkyrie that we've seen in Thor Ragnarok in the in the cinema, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, played by uh, Tessa Thompson. Her, uh, her character from there is being brought into the Marvel comics now as you see uh, her representation of that character. And I loved her as an actress uh, prior to that. I was excited to see her in Thor. And now I see uh, basically her likeness into this Exiles book. So I'm going to uh, experiment with a title I've never read before. Over on page 9, Domino is getting her own series and uh, hailed by Gail Simone and David uh, Baldion. Gail Simone, I'm a big fan of her writing. Uh, she's mostly popular for uh, writing Wonder Woman, some legendary runs over there. So she's uh, jumping over to Marvel to write this uh, Domino book. And that's a character, too, that I'm not that... Uh, much familiar with. Uh, David had to step out to uh, shovel the walk in front of Crimson Calls uh, entrance here. Uh, so, But I have a feeling he probably had some information about Exiles and Domino that he probably could have added to the discussion, but uh, um, I'm going to let the books do the telling for me as I pick up those. Um, page 14, uh, we get the next four issues for that month for the Avengers No Surrender that is being discussed here at the Comic Club. If you subscribe to those titles, those individual issues will be offered at a discounted club membership without needing to uh, meet the requirements of a, of a healthy pull list. Um, you can pick up the club picks and get a discount at that and join the discussion. And uh, so, yeah, we see uh, issues 687 through 690 of those books and that is goes up to part 14 of 16 so we're nearing the end at that moment and then over on page 19 we have Venomized for all you Venom fans out there after we left the Venomverse storyline we have Venomized number one of five um, I'm not a big Venom fan I've definitely dipped into some of it uh, recently with the tie-in with Amazing Spider-Man and now with X-Men Blue but there's a lot of sweet covers going on there but if you're a Venom fan uh, you're probably going to be checking this out anyways, but it's a five-issue contained story there. Um, I just see a cover of uh, issue number four where there's a Thanos that's uh, basically got taken over by Venom, and that looks pretty cool there. Um, so yeah, that's happening over there in April. Page 27, as they gear up for uh, the next Avengers movie, they're probably going to have a bunch of interesting... Uh, comics that kind of appeal to the those coming in at the store. Avengers Shards of Infinity, number one. I don't know if this is going to be a one-shot, a miniseries, or an ongoing. You just see Black Widow, the Falcon, Panther, and Cap all racing towards the Cosmic Cube. So it's interesting to see that lineup all kind of going towards that. But uh, with the movie just around the corner at that point, I'm curious to see like if this was just a... Fun little one-shot. Even though it says number one, that could mean anything because it could be a one-shot. Um, David, we're on page 27 at the moment. Um, since we're not too far off and you just got to the page, uh, do you have any information about Exiles and Domino, series that I said I'm excited to dive into? Do you have any back history on any of that stuff at all? Uh, Kurt, Kurt gave me a little bit of uh, Exiles earlier. but uh, Exiles, yeah. Exiles was a... Uh, trying to think which, uh, which page that was that I can't see here. Um, that was a fairly popular uh, title. It was basically a group of... Page six for uh, Exiles. ...of characters from all these various alternate realities 
that were put together to, uh, um, I guess, kind of protect the multiverse. Protect time and space. Yeah, and then um, I, I hadn't really read it, but um, I think there was kind of somebody behind putting them together, and they had something to do. Um, um, you know, there was there was a, a point to it. But uh, yeah, this, this is a, a, a completely different take on it, except for Blink. I believe Blink actually was um, one of the characters that, that yeah. were, you know, one of the, the main Exiles characters. Um, and they'd, they'd switch the, the team up. Uh, somebody would be killed off or somebody would uh, end up, you know, on deciding to stay in, in some universe somewhere. Um, it was uh, kind of, uh, kind of. Uh, I know Kurtz told you about the show Sliders. Um, you know, it's kind of like Sliders, but yes. with all these various Marvel characters. Okay. Uh, where they would go into uh, different alternate realities and, and have some sort of mission there. Um, I had said this caught my attention because I saw a future older version of Kamala Khan, aka Miss Marvel, who we yeah. thought was rogue at first, just because of the hair choice. Um, but then below it, we, we had recently joked about you know like all these old man and old woman characters. Well, they actually do have like like old lady Kamala Khan. Here. And it's later in the Marvel previews, but there's old woman Laura that's happening for the X twenty three All New Wolverine. It's not happening as a separate series. It's happening with her own book within her own book, just like the original Old Man Logan was within the Wolverine book. Um, but then the other one that caught my eye is the bottom right corner there. As you see, Tessa Thompson, who played Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok, her inspiration, her take on the character is being brought into the comics. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of the actress and her portrayal in that movie. And a book that I have never read, never really cared about, but seeing Kamala Khan and then seeing uh, that Valkyrie in there, I'm like, all right, I pre-ordered the first two issues, so. So, yeah, I, it was um, something I never read, but I always wanted to check it out because I, I uh, was interested in the concept of it, and it's something I just never got around to, to checking out. So, this uh, actually this probably would be a great place to jump on if uh, if like me you were interested but never got around to checking it out. Well, here we're starting over with a brand new team, um, so it's great great time to jump on. Good, good. Uh, jumping over to page 49, something I want to mention of note is Marvel Rising number zero. Uh, this is uh, offered as a free comic book, which I had mentioned to Kurt um, on Wednesday, and he was like, what? Free? <laughs> and uh, what the Marvel Rising is, they are. it's going to be an upcoming animation, uh, animated show and movement uh, probably very similar to like what DC Superhero Girls is doing, which is kind of getting a lot of uh, younger fans into these characters, and they bring them into the comic shop because they have the DC Superhero Girl uh, comics that uh, are very popular as well. And Marvel Rising is kind of fitting in that vein in which you see a lot of uh, uh, diversity in younger heroes. you got your Kamala Khan, you got your America, you have the, the new Falcon, you see Quake, uh, Daisy Johnson from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You see Squirrel Girl, uh, you see uh, uh, Spider-Gwen, 
you see, I forget, Inferno, I think, one of the Inhumans, and then you see Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, and uh, yeah, so it's an upcoming animated series geared, geared towards children, and it looks like they have this number zero uh, comic that comes out that uh, is offered free. Um, it might be a nice little primer, and hopefully can be the, the launching pad for a future generation of readers. Um, you'll have to go into this and, and do a little edit. You said that in Falcon, that's actually Patriot. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, okay. So you have to do a little voiceover fixing. I'll, I'll do all that. So yeah. I saw like <laughs> yeah, I saw like an eagle and all that kind of stuff. Like also all that Patriot would have made sense. Um, there's one other thing. Uh, as you go through the book, you just see the continuation of all of the series that have been going on. I had mentioned the beginning of the Marvel catalog always shows a lot of the new and noteworthy uh, things that are coming out. Uh, but jumping over to page uh, 70 to keep in tone with uh, the young readers of today, um, the Marvel Superhero Adventures. It's an all-new, all-ages series, uh, starting with number one of five. Um, you see this toy line out there, the Superhero Adventures, where it's kind of just you know animated version of these characters. Uh, they're going to be throwing them into some comic book storytelling. So if you've been uh, purchasing those toys that you see out there on the racks... Um, uh, now you can uh, use that as a jumping-on point for your young readers out there as well. So, yeah, those were the highlights for uh, the Marvel catalog, which is presented in its own little uh, magazine format. Uh, we're going to jump ship over to the Big Giant Previews catalog, and we're just going to go through with, a couple, once again, a couple of the highlights I had pinpointed. Uh, nothing huge from Dark Horse that kind of caught my attention. Um, so we're going to jump over to page 82, which is the beginning of DC Comics. Uh, we had mentioned this at the beginning of the segment for Action Comics number 1000. Um, so yeah, once again, even though there will be some copies on the rack as well, you can never predict how much to order. And if you're a fan of this and you want this legendary milestone issue, um, it's probably recommended to go ahead and pre-order that so your copy is set aside. You're going to have many choices when it comes to variant covers. They have the standard cover, which is done by uh, Jim Lee there. As you, we talked about, the, the red underoos being uh, returned to Superman. Yeah, which I am perfectly happy with. You're all for that. Uh, but they have an interesting way to order their variant covers. Instead of just, hey, here's all the artists you love, they're all taking a different decade over uh, Superman's life. Uh, you know, he started in, what, 1938? 37, 38, I think? Uh, 38. 38. 38. So you see covers from the 30s all the way up to the 2000s. Uh, Jim here had asked me, he's like, how many covers are you going to order? Well, I'm going to pre-order the main cover because you got to have the main cover for those collectors. Uh, But I'm a big fan of Michael Allred. Uh, Most likely the colors will be joined by his wife, Laura Allred. Uh, They're doing the 1960s cover. Uh, they don't show you the examples on here. You could probably look online, and as it gets closer, they'll release some of those images. But, uh, yeah, so I'm buying myself two copies of Action Comics number 1000, the main cover and the 60s cover. Jim, you had mentioned one that you are interested um, in? If I go for a secondary, I'll probably pick the 70s because that's the Superman I remember as a kid. So Jim Steranko is doing that cover. So, yeah, you see a bunch of uh, different ones there. and uh, But, yeah... Just the issue, the main issue itself says featuring all new art and stories by, and the list goes on and on. And the first person on the list, even though he's not writing the main story, once again, Brian Michael Bendis, 
But yeah, uh, John Cassidy, a big fan of him. Olivia Coppell, you got Paul Dini. Uh, some other names, you got your Jeff Johns, Dan Jurgens, Tom King, Jim Lee. Um, Tim Sale over there, Louise Simonson, Scott Snyder, Peter J. Tomasi, Marv Wolfman, and many, many more. So yeah, Action Comics number 1000, very wise to pre-order that hot book coming out in April. Um, sticking, uh, actually, for DC, that was the main thing I had mentioned there. Uh, nothing noteworthy for, like, new series beginning, uh, in April. Over in IDW Publishing, beginning at page 158, as you jump past the DC section, if you're a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog, they have uh, the gem of the month that they call. They've got this uh, four issue, I don't know if it's just four issues total, but they're doing one a week in which Sonic the Hedgehog number one through four. Um, so yeah, if you're a big fan of Sonic, I know they've done some Sonic uh, comics in the past, um, but yeah, IDW and... I want to say Archie was publishing Sonic, you know, not having to do with anything in Archie. You know, Jughead meets Tails or something. But uh, uh, Dr. Robotnik versus, you know, uh, Hiram Lodge or something. like. Um, which now I'm just pitching them stuff that I'm going to buy if they make it. <laughs> but yeah, if you're a fan of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, there's uh, four, uh, a monthly event, uh, uh, or a weekly event, I should say, four issues coming out that month uh sticking with idw if you're a fan of star trek discovery the cbs all access show they have been doing some comics but they have a spotlight on star trek discovery succession number one um i haven't been watching the show at all anyone here dig it at all anyone check no it out? i i haven't because uh, i haven't had the time to check out uh, new shows anyways yeah um i'll admit i've been a little hesitant um do it being being a Star Trek fan anyway is just um, the, the the change in the Klingons and everything is is really throwing me off and I, I think I've been kind of waiting to see you know how it does and what some of the fan reaction is to it before I you know I'm dip, kind dip of waiting until they wrap up the season and then and then pay for one month yeah rather than yeah because <laughs> yeah. CBS All Access other than access to all of their old shows and stuff they don't have this is kind of their launching point being right. like here's a new series yeah to only watch it on there right and I've had no other reason to to get that exactly so um, but yeah some some of the people that I follow and I'm friends with that are Star Trek fans and have been uh, pretty much digging it there's a couple people you know it's I would say it's maybe. I wouldn't say split down the middle because, you know, the show has been successful from what I read that I think they are, you know, going into a second season eventually and stuff like that. So on a, on that level, you know, it's it, they're at least moving on with it. But, uh, but yeah, I think there will probably be a lot of those people that are, you know, like you said, hesitant. And, um, I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but uh, Doug Jones, who is uh, uh, one of the favorite actors I've met who played Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies, he portrays uh, the Silver Surfer. Um, he's a guy that often works at Guillermo del Toro and, uh, he plays a character, one of the main characters, uh, on this crew for Star Trek Discovery. So I'm excited to once again, wait like all of you guys too, once it's all done and watch it in a month there. So yeah, and then there's a bunch of X-Files comics going on. Uh, so if you're a fan of X-Files, check out IDW Publishing in April. Jumping into Image Comics with page 198. Image seems like every single month for the last year or two, 
you get uh, bombarded with about four or five brand new series. Um, I say bombarded in a good way because if you're if you're looking for something new, Image Comics uh, very much uh, has that when it comes to uh, storytelling outside of your traditional capes and cowls and stuff like that. Um, so we have Analog number one. You've got Isolo number one. Isola number one. I think it would be Isola. Isola, that's probably more accurate. Um, crude number one, um, but something. Oh yeah, Dead Hand number one. There's a lot of different uh, genres there. Nothing that really piqued my interest until I saw Skyward number one. Uh, this is something that I'm putting on my pre uh, pre order list. One day, gravity on Earth suddenly became a fraction of what is now. Twenty years later, humanity has adapted to its new low-gravity reality. And to Willow Fowler, a woman born just after G-Day, it's, well, it's pretty awesome, actually. You can fly through the air. I mean, sure, you can also die if you jump too high. So you just don't jump too high. And maybe don't stumble into a dangerous plan to bring gravity back that could get you killed. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of new series there. I'm... Um, Jumping into one of them, Skyward there. But uh, yeah, they give you a bunch of preview art on all of those series too. So if you're not sold on the cover and the premise, you actually get to read a little bit of a story if you I lean am, in and squint there. I'm looking at the Image Plus um, magazine that comes yes. out with the previews. And I'm liking what I see on the Zola oh, cool. title. So. so yeah, that's the thing. Like Once again, if you don't know where to start in comics and you see Action Cover Comics number 1000, and you're like, well, do I have to go read the first 999? Well, you can jump into some of these independent uh, publishers and start at number one. And as far as this Image Plus magazine, for every new title for the last couple of months, they have a fairly in-depth interview with mm. the, um, the creative team behind these um, new titles. So if you're interested yeah, in good. coming up with a new one, uh, a new number ones. This is a good way to get behind it. And we talked about it last month with uh, Robert Kirkman coming out with Oblivion Song number one. Yeah. Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead and Outcast and Invincible. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a book that's probably going to have a lot of attention as well. So yeah, it's good to have that Image Plus magazine where you basically get bonus features behind the scenes of the making of these comics. So. So it was a cool addition to the previews. Over at page 266, starting with Aftershock Comics. Um, Aftershock, I had mentioned uh, a, series, uh, a company that I've been uh, keeping many eyes on. Um, Animosity is one of their hit series here at the store. Um, I've kind of spread the word about that. I've met Marguerite Bennett a few times. She's written for Marvel and DC, and she's really taken... Uh, Taking a lot of success with this uh, after uh, with animosity over at Aftershock Comics, so they have two new series debuting. Looks like you got some sort of knights and kingdom type of deal with uh, uh, the the brothers Dracul number one, and then there's another series, uh, Her Infernal Descent number one. Um, so yeah, a couple once again, just like with the image one, there's uh, two new series to uh, check those out as well, and then. They have the continuing series. Um, and then speaking of Animosity, if you haven't jumped on the Animosity train, this is the time because they have Animosity hardcover collection over at page 273, 240 pages full color on sale in April for $39.99. Uh, Marguerite Bennett and Raphael de la Tour. Uh, the story uh, it completes the first complete uh, story arcs of the best-selling series, 
um, plus uh, the one shot and a bunch of uh, behind the scenes extras and things like that. The synopsis for Animosity, if you're not on board, is one day, for no reason, the animals woke up. They started thinking. They started talking. They started taking revenge. So yeah, like I said, this is one of the most popular books that are here ordered at the store. Um, there's like, what, six or seven copies that come in, and most of those are pull-list subscribers. So it's a yeah, it's, one um, of the best-selling. It is one of the, the best-selling uh, titles at the store, yes. And it was cool, like sharing that information with Marguerite Bennett uh, at the past convention. She didn't even have like a booth set up, and I saw her like walking around, and I, she was buying books from another independent creator. Here's someone who's writing comics, and it was cool to catch her out in the wild. And then uh, I had mentioned, I'm like, oh, you know, Marguerite. I'm like, and I mentioned Crimson Call and West Bend. I'm like, yeah, I got a lot of people into the series and stuff. We've all been loving Animosity, and then I know Aftershock retweeted it and stuff too so so yeah if you want to get on board the hardcover collection's coming out it's a good way to kind of catch up at a more discounted price uh, now that they've been doing it for like a year or two um over on page 276 speaking of favorite publishers alterna comics over here crimson call comics we love uh talking about alterna a lot of uh, a lot of customers here really love sharing their their love for the different genres and stories that they've been telling well they have uh the fear diaries one shot um this would this be their first one shot they've done um because most of the stuff is maybe one and a three limited one and a four yeah maybe most, six. Mo most of them are limited they've got a couple ongoing so well like scrimshaw is on ongoing okay uh, most of them are limited but it's you know three four six you know um and uh, and of course they've got uh, some some graphic novels that they've done, um, but yes, this is the the first one that I can think of that's actually just a one shot comic. And this is the Fear Diaries one shot. A dangerous threat to children across the world has returned. Theodore Bearsley and his ragtag team of stuffed heroes face their greatest battle yet as they encounter the Dark Mistress's army of evil toys who will stop at nothing to feed off the fear of every child on Earth. So for $1.99, it's a one-shot yes, comic. It, it's a double-sized <laughs> comic for one ninety-nine. Wow. Yeah, so that one I pre-ordered just because I get the attention of, you know, I looked to Alterna being like, all right, what are the new series? We talked about some of the new ones in the last month's uh, previews as well. Um, but yeah, uh, the the Fear Diaries has a pretty awesome cover there with a bear with a knife and a cape and a pile of toys and fluff coming well, out of them. Apparently it's not a children's, <sighs> despite being see, about toys. I was looking at that, and I didn't see a warning about it being like... Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see, because they, I mean, they mark all theirs. Uh, they've got um, but all, yeah, all ages you would stuff. Assume they've got it's uh, mature. Teen, they've got mature. So maybe, you know, it, it's probably going to be entertaining for adults. So adults, pre-order this, read it, and see if it's okay for your children. And it's, it's all up to you to parent from there. But yeah, it might be one of those where it's like, oh, it's... Kind of looks warm and cuddly uh, at first, but if you got the fear diaries in there, the title may suggest it could be mature, but it could, you know, it could go either way, I guess. I mean, it, it could be something like Will of Dark. Yeah. You know, where oh, yeah, yeah. it's in that, all ages. Yeah, yeah, that title suggests that, oh, dark, you know. We want Lilith Light, maybe. <laughs> that was just harder to say and roll off the tongue, but um, so, yeah. 
Uh, before I move on to the next one, uh, we'll bid farewell to Jim here. Have a good week. See yep. you on next Saturday. Sounds good. Glad to have you. I'm going to make sure that Jim can get down the stairs off there without uh, slipping because it was coming down quite a bit. So, dear listeners, it's just you and I. I it's me and an empty table. It's like the uh, first episode of The Walking Dead here where there's just no activity. I don't know where anybody went. Um, there's I'll, a tumbleweed. I'll probably be back. It's just <laughs> snowing quite a bit here, and I have to make sure that uh, customers can get out without hurting themselves. So buckle in, dear listeners. It's just you and I, your fearless leader here at the Crimson Cowl Comic Book Club. I could say literally anything and then edit it out later because I'm the editor of it too. Um, over at page 308 in Boom Comics, um, for anybody that is a RoboCop fan, this is the item for you. The featured item is RoboCop Citizen's Arrest number one is a series that hasn't been uh, printed in a while. I have some old RoboCop comics from the 80s and the 90s, I believe. Um, but yeah, from my information, I don't think he's been in publication for a while. But Boom Studios is one of those good companies that likes to uh, bring forth some of that stuff like Power Rangers. And now they got RoboCop, Citizens Arrest number 1, beginning in April uh, page 312 over at Boom, something that caught my attention. I almost flipped past it and thank the Lord I didn't because it is Wild's End, Volume 3, Journey's End, the original graphic novel. Now, Wild's End um, is a series of uh, anthropomorphic, uh, it's a sci-fi anthropomorphic series in which a bunch of these animals, it's like the busy world of Richard Scarry, but with an alien invasion, and it's in uh, England. So this is a series over the last couple of years. They've done uh, two volumes of miniseries, which are offered uh, for reorders here in this previous as well, uh, World's End Volume 1 and Volume 2. Uh, so yeah, it was a monthly comic miniseries, and then uh, we haven't seen it for a while, and then I saw a Volume 3 listed. I'm like, how did I miss the single issues of the next installment and then I realized they must have changed the game because instead of releasing them in single issues they're gonna wrap up the story in a collected version so for $19.99 each you can get these three volumes um, I absolutely loved it if you're a fan of uh, talking animals that uh, live in a talking animal world but they all you know just live normal grown-up lives and this deals with an alien invasion it's been a fun little mystery book um, yeah, I, I've been loving it. So I flipped out when I saw that uh, Volume 3 was just on the horizon and presented in a trade paperback format. Um, yeah, so that's actually going to close out uh, some of the highlights for the previous catalog. Um, I suggest to people around the table, who which is none... Oh, hey, David's oh, yeah, returned. Um, While you're interviewing voices, yeah, I, I, I had a whole, yourself, yeah. I did a whole shtick and routine. You have to subscribe to Crimson Call Comics on iTunes to listen back on that. Uh, but yeah, this is going to complete just some of the highlights I picked up. There's a couple things in the merchandising as well. Um, I suggest to our club members as well as people listening and other customers. 
uh, feel free to, uh, as the oncoming weeks happen, to bring your picks, whether it be uh, storylines within your favorite books that you're excited for, collected versions of some of the storylines from the past, or maybe the brand new series, whether it be the stuff that we highlighted here, or things that I skipped over that you're interested in. Uh, So for the oncoming weeks, uh, please bring those titles to the table and spread some awareness on some of these books inside these catalogs. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of interesting uh, stuff between comics, collected comics, new and old, as well as apparel and toys and action figures and everything you can imagine. Um, So yeah, they're all presented in the April catalog, which traditionally at the end of the month, uh, there'll be a specific date um, that you guys have, but... uh, you know, you usually get about a good solid three, four weeks or so. Yeah, you typically have to to about the, the last week to get that order in. Um, I haven't looked at February. It's February being a shorter month. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't think that couple of days would matter that much, but sometimes it does. Um, I'd have to look and see what it is. But, um, but yeah, you, you should still have plenty of time left to uh, take a look, and page through it, and see what you'd want. Um, and, uh, you know, no matter what you decide to order, uh, make sure it's Action Comics number 1000. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, something else to, uh, mention too is that I'll take some of these highlights and, uh, over the course of these next couple of weeks, I'll dedicate a Sunday to Marvel, a Sunday to DC, and a Sunday to the independent section. And I will put the pictures and the synopsis of some of these picks as well. So if you aren't listening to this, which you wouldn't even hear this anyways of me saying this, um, but yeah, you can see some of that stuff if you follow along and like Crimson Cowl Comics on Facebook. You'll see that as well. And uh, one could maybe ask, how do I give you a pull list? Well, there's many different ways you can do that, whether you visit in the store and you have a physical list or a verbal list. If you say, hey, order me that up, that can be listed. But uh, a real good organized way, I'll just share one way that I do it. Um, I've been pre-ordering comics for uh, many a years, and I've been happy to do it through Crimson Call Comics, and uh, David and Kurt do an excellent job of uh, making sure all that stuff gets ordered, especially with my very heavy list. There's sometimes where there'll be a title that will slip out of my notice that should have been in there, and Kurt will say, I ordered ordered it for you anyways because I noticed you missed it and I'm like oh yeah good thanks because I just glossed over it because there's so much to look at in a 500 page 600 page uh, catalog. Uh, no and of course if you just said well I really actually didn't want that yeah. one then you wouldn't have to buy it. <laughs> yeah but, comics but aren't. We want to make yeah. sure we'd rather you're not forced to buy it. make sure that you're taken <laughs> care of. But yeah, so that felt pretty good because there was like an issue of Guardians. He's like, yeah, I didn't see that you ordered Guardians number 128. And I'm like, what? Well, I should have. He's like, yeah, I got it for you anyways because that's what you get. And I'm like, all right, cool. Thank you. Um, and then normally I'll, I'll mention to him being like, all right, I'm done with this title or done with that title. But what I do with my giant list, starting with the Marvel catalog, I'll, uh, I'll just do a list on my notepad on my phone or on my laptop And I'll just go through the pages and I'll write Marvel as a header and I'll say, you know, all new Wolverine number 30. And then I'll say, ooh, I want cover B or something or this cover, John Cassidy cover for the Captain America issue or something. And I'll go through and if I have a, even if it's an ongoing series that I've been getting, I'll just kind of keep putting that in there um, as a reminder. And then if I 
tend to jump off of a title. I'll just be like, you know what, I'm going to cut this one for the month or something, you know, get me all the other ones I ordered. But So I'll kind of put that, and then I'll jump into the giant previews catalog and go from Dark Horse to DC to IDW to Boom to Dynamite to, you know, Aftershock and Alterna and everything in between. And I'll just start listing all of the, the books there. And it's kind of a neat little catalog. And then even in the merchandise section, I'll go through and say, hey, order me that t-shirt on page 545, you know, size extra large, you know, and ooh, I want that cool Mr. Bean pop figure or something like that. And uh, so I'll put all that into like a merchandising um, header as well. And then I just take that list and I uh, Facebook message that over to them in the private uh, direct message. Then uh, they have that or you can do it through the email as well. Um, I assume you yeah, have what Crimson Cow Comics Crimson Comics at, at gmail.com. Um, that works. Yeah, actually, if if I had to pick a preferred method, I'd say Facebook actually works uh, really nice. Um, More accessible. You get the alerts for it a lot quicker than an email, and yeah, kind of have a more direct dialogue and stuff like that. So yeah, we've got a couple of people, uh, you know, you, yourself and couple others who uh, who have done that through Facebook, and it seems to work really well. So yeah, when pre-ordering these comics, I mentioned it at the top of the segment here, but uh, not only is it you know assuring that you got your copies on the shelf reserved for you, so even if it uh, gets released on Wednesday, but you didn't get here till Saturday, or maybe you're you know didn't get to the shop in two weeks, you know that copy will be held for you rather than risking that it'll be. Uh, sold out on the rack, especially if it's a popular comic, like a, I don't know, like an action comics number 1000 or something. Um, but yeah, that's always a good way uh, for pre-ordering. And honestly, one of the things I love for pre-ordering is that it uh, kind of tells the diamond and the publishers when they get all those numbers of certain series that you love, you know, whether it be like Moon Girl or, you know, uh, Silver Surfer, maybe like when you pre-order those books, it gives them the numbers being like, hey, people want these books, and it kind of helps not only the character you like, but also the creators that are making those books. So it's a good thing for the the business in general, whether it be the store level or the creative publisher level. Pre-ordering comics is a, is a good, wise move, I think. Plus, it's the best way to guarantee that you're going to get it, you know, when, when it hits the stands. Yeah, yeah. It's, hits the racks. So yeah, um, once again, everyone invited to uh, bring their previous picks uh, to the table every Saturday here at Crimson Call Comics for the Comic Club uh, from 4 to 5-ish, uh, or longer. <laughs> yeah, as, as it's nearly 6 o'clock yeah. now. And we've had some pretty healthy list of, uh, of, of the club picks for you know DC and Marvel and all that kind of stuff. So some of the episodes will get a little longer when we have you know three big titles to talk about. But it's a good way to discuss these books. Uh, we've had some newcomers uh, that never had read Avengers before or haven't read Avengers in thirty years come to the table. And you know when you get a roundtable discussion of many different opinions on you know longtime readers and short time readers and passionate readers for certain characters and writers and stuff like that. Crimson Cowl Comic Club is a, a pretty good environment. It's welcome to everybody, whether it's uh, you've been reading comics for five minutes or five years or 50 years, you know. It's, uh, it's a good place to come and meet new people and, uh, and meet new comics, too. Yes. Lots of new That's comics. That's the best part. 
So as we've uh, went from a large table down to two, this whole time I've been Anthony. And I'm still David. I feel more like David now at the beginning. I felt more like Human Torch. And all you needed was some more uh, comics to kind of revitalize you. That's right. It gets gets rid of the flu. That's right. That's a guaranteed (laughs) uh, medication prescription. Talking comics and sipping some water. I'm good. There you go. To be continued. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.